Welcome everybody to the Talk About Podcast. Hope you're having a good day. You guys can follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and subscribe here on YouTube. We are back at Penn Del Mar Power, but when I say we, I just mean me. As you can see, Riley's not here today. Riley is unfortunately sick, and uh, we told each other we were never going to do a podcast without each other, and we have never done a podcast without each other, but there's just been so much happening lately, and um, there hasn't been a lot of talk about podcasts, talk about gameplays, talk about that, um, and, and, and I felt like that it wouldn't be right to, to postpone or try to compromise and, and, and do something different. I think that we needed something and we needed the podcast to be back. We said last week when we did the small podcast um, at Rev, we said that um, we were going to be coming back every single Monday and having to talk about podcasts for you guys. So I need to do that. I need to make sure that can happen the best that it can be. Um, in the beginning of this year, Riley and I were absolutely insane with our schedule we stuck to our schedule no matter what was in front of us and uh we had the talk about podcast every single monday with the talk about gameplay every single thursday and then talk about that every other friday and that held very strong until about the summertime and then obviously talk about tournament one really um was a big focus for me especially and i had to take a lot of focus there and yeah, Talk About Jiu-Jitsu was the big thing of the summer for sure. So now that Talk About Jiu-Jitsu has simmered down a little bit um, with Talk About Tournament 1 um, in the dust, we're able to get our programming schedule back, but there's a lot more Talk About Jiu-Jitsu stuff um, happening, which, spoiler alert, um, we just announced this on our Instagram yesterday, um, by the time you guys are watching this, we have a big announcement coming this Friday. Um, and it is in regards of Talk About Jiu-Jitsu. So you guys need to stay tuned. Talk About Jiu-Jitsu is really doing well. And I'm really happy with it. And it's a really, really great thing for, you know, talk about for the brand, for the area. Um, it's really great. But we got to be on top of what we do. We had a lot of people that were watching our stuff. We've, we're getting the most views we've ever gotten consistently. Um, so no more of this 15-minute podcast. No more of these 10-minute recaps. If we are posting a podcast, um, I'm going to try to promise to the best of my ability a fuller podcast from 30 minutes to an hour. And I would really love to be doing hour and a half to two hour podcast, especially with talk about that. I think especially if we do, um, ha with having guests, it's a lot easier to go longer. Um, but if Riley and I get in into a good debate, it's always good. So next week I'm hoping that Riley is here. He should be here. So hopefully Riley's here and then we're going to get the podcast right back to how it used to be. And, um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you guys so much for the support, the support on the Talk About podcast. We have a completely different fan base for that. Same with the gameplay, Talk About that. And then, of course, all the support on Talk About Jiu-Jitsu. It's been absolutely amazing. But we let's get to the point here because a lot of things just happened this Saturday in regards of the fight night in Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile Arena. Alexa Grasso defended her UFC flyweight championship against Valentina Shevchenko. And it was an absolutely incredible fight. I mean, it was so competitive. It went exactly how I thought it would go in a sense of competitiveness. I didn't expect a draw. We're about to talk about that in a second. Um, but I, we didn't do our predictions really. Um, oh no, we did do our predictions. I said Grasso by decision. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's what I think should have happened. So let's talk about that. Um, it was, it was a draw and I think it was a really close fight. And if any fight could go to a draw, that's the fight. Um, and I don't think the judges really got that wrong. I, apparently there was a 10-8, I think on the fifth round. 
Shouldn't be no 10-8s. Um, actually, the whole half of the f- whole first half of that round, Valentina Shevchenko was absolutely jabbing like a master. Absolutely destroying Grasso's range and not being able to get in. And Grasso was just taking her time, but she was just getting hit a lot. Grasso was just getting hit a lot. Now, she can eat those strikes. Don't get me wrong. She can eat those strikes, but she was getting jabbed a lot. And when you're looking at the judges' scorecards, to me, that's what would be important. But then the takedown was failed, and then the back was taken in a dominant position with submissions and strikes. You got to give the round to Grasso. I had it 3-2, personally. And it looked like the people, like the fighters that were watching it, had it 2-1 to one for Shevchenko going into the fourth round. Riley and I had it 2-1 to one for Grasso going into the fourth round. So that just shows how close it was. If any fight was going to go to a draw, that's the fight. So now it gets really interesting. And the reason why I have my computer here is because I'm looking at the rankings. And let's talk about the rankings real quick. Alexa Grasso obviously is the flyweight champion of the world. Valentina Shevchenko is the number one ranked flyweight but number two is Aaron Blanchfield, and then also number two is Ferret. And you have to really wonder, what do you do here? Blanchfield just beat Santos. Blanchfield beat Andrade. Blanchfield is on a, what, six-fight win streak, seven-fight win streak now? She deserves a title shot. Ferret just beat Thug Rose. She beat Chuka Hagen, who was the number one ranked. I mean, those two, you have to have them fight for a championship. You have to really don't know what you do because here's the thing Shevchenko and Grasso I felt like Grasso was pretty dominant in the first fight missed that spinning back kick got caught boom submission Grasso is the new champion of the world but she was pretty dominant at that fight and I knew it wasn't a fluke and I knew it was going to be like an Usman Edwards situation where they have this confidence and, they, and, and it just changes it just changes and that's exactly what happened but it was a draw and Shevchenko has been so dominant it's like these are really the two best, but do you have to do, like, I think at the end of the day, no matter what happens, they're in a situation now where someone's going to get screwed. Because let's say they give the rematch to Shevchenko. They give the rematch to Shevchenko. They do Grasso against Shevchenko number three, and then you got Ferret and Blanchfield waiting in the dust. So whether they fight each other, now that's another fight they got to go through. They're the two best, like, I guess that's maybe what you have to do. That's probably the best thing to do if they're going to go the trilogy route. But let's say they go with Blanchfield. Well, now Ferret's getting screwed over, and what about Shevchenko? Does she got to win another fight? I don't know. I feel like the UFC has to really think, and I know it's hard, and I know with injuries, and I know with schedule, and I know with timelines and time frames and whatever. There's so much, but I feel like they got to really think about what could possibly happen after. Because they're starting to get in these positions where it's like you don't know what to do. And it's very similar with the welterweight division. The welterweight division was so hot when Usman was going, because Usman would fight someone new and new, and then he started lapping everyone. And even though he was the champion and never lost, he was always fighting. And now what you have going on here with the women's flyweight division is something similar, where now it's like, what do you do? It's like hard. And and not with the Usman situation is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the current welterweight situation. You have Hamza, who's going up and down. He deserves it. Then you have Belay, who's on a 20 million fight win streak, but never knocks anyone out, but he deserves it, right? And then you have Covington, who doesn't deserve it, but is getting the title shot. It, it, there's a lot of stumbles. The Bantamweight division, 
stumbles. There's a lot of stumbles going on in there, too. What do you do? Alger's going up or down. Rob doesn't know where he's at. Then you got Cheeto, who's ranked six and just lost, but he's fighting. Sanhagen, who's beaten everyone in the top five, he's now not fighting because he's injured. There's just so there's too many stumbles going on here. Stumble, stumble city. Call it UFC stumble. But uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, so we will see what happens there. UFC 294 is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. And can I just say, this card is absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to talk about this, this with Riley. If you guys are fans of Talk About, you guys know how much Riley and I love Charles Dubronx Oliveira and Hamzat Boris Chemaev. Charles Oliveira is my second favorite fighter. Hamzat Chemaev is my third favorite fighter. Whereas to Riley, Charles is his third favorite fighter and Hamzat's his first. So it's a big deal. It's a big card for us. And even if you're not like big fans of these guys, um, you're definitely excited if you're a fan of the sport. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. What? Hamzat is the favorite or the underdog. Holy. Hamza Chamaev is the underdog. Oh my gosh. I did not know. I'm going to text Riley off my computer. What do you think, Riley? Can you believe that? You know if Riley was here, he would be freaking out. I'm going to text him. Hamza is the underdog. Holy moly. That's a big deal. Because he should not be the underdog. But it's literally Brazil against Russia on this Abu Dhabi card. But let's talk about these fights, ladies and gentlemen. If that's right, that's what I see. The number 10 ranked Tim Elliott, who's a great fighter, going head-to-head with Magomed Makayev or whatever. Magomed Makayev. Here's the thing about Makayev. I really believe that Makayev is really, really good. After that knee bar situation where he was put in like a terrible position and he fought through, I think he's durable. I don't know how he does against like a Pantoja and Moreno, but I I think it would be a fun fight. I do think Makayev gets the job done, but only by decision or maybe a late sub. He's just not a finisher. Dude, Ankalaev against Johnny Walker. Are you ready for that freaking fight? I can't wait to predict all these fights. I, I just predicted Makayev's fight, but I'm not going to predict all the other fights, my man. Um, you have, like, the French guy going against the Russian guy, and I don't know how to pronounce their names, but I know you guys know who I'm talking about. It's pretty high up on the card. But, of course, the co-main event, the number four-ranked welterweight Hamzat Shemaev going up the middleweight against Paul Costa, number six-ranked. If you think Hamzat shouldn't be the favorite... You're crazy. Whether or not you think he's going to win or lose, like I guess that's up for debate, and you can obviously say, but he should be the favorite. The guy's undefeated and has literally dismantled everyone in his path except Gilbert Burns, who's one of the best. I mean, let's be honest here. Hamza, no. Hamza should be the favorite against every single person in middleweight or welterweight right now. And Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. Oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Unbiasedly, I'm very nervous. Biasedly, Charles Oliveira is gonna knock him out in the first round. We don't really know, man. It's gonna be tricky, but it's a, it's such a big car because here's the deal. I don't think if Paulo Costa loses, it really drops his stock. 
But if he wins, his stock goes to the moon. Like, that's the thing. Like, Costa's like, look, if you lose to Hamza, it's like, okay, we get it. But, like, if Hamzat loses, he has so much pressure on him. If Charles loses again, it's going to be tough to get back. Because then that's two wins for the champion. You got so many other guys that want to fight for the belt. It's just it's just not going to work out. Um, so this is it. And we could be seeing one of the biggest trilogies, in my opinion, if... Uh, Jesus, let me make sure I'm recording. Yeah, I am recording. Um, I think it could be one of the biggest trilogies the UFC has ever seen. I mean, Islam Makachev against Charles Alvera, and I watched that fight back, and I told Riley about this. Watching that fight back, when you watch the fight, you don't... As as much as it wasn't the Charles that we've seen against Poirier and the Charles that we've seen against Justin Gaethje and the Charles that we saw against Michael Chandler, I know it wasn't the same guy, but if you watch that first round, it really wasn't that lopsided. It was a pretty close round. Islam won, um, but like he was dominant with the wrestling and stuff, but I, I felt like Charles was still in it. Maybe it wasn't close. Like, Islam won the round, but like it wasn't. Horrible. And then he got clipped, man. He got clipped and he jumped right into the head and arm and just happened, I guess, right? But Islam is insane. So we, we, we can't fault that. But I just think Charles is good. I just, but he worries me. He worries me. And it's like, should I be, if he fights the way he fought against Dariush, though, with that striking ability, Almost coming in like a fight. Like, if you didn't know that Charles Oliveira was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt with the most submission victories in the UFC history, you would have, and you just watched his first fight against Benil Darius, you would have probably thought he was a, well, he did kind of pull guard, so maybe not. But regardless, I just feel like, I don't know, he just wasn't pressuring as hard, but he still, like, was controlling. He always has to control. You can see the moments where he's not controlling, just like he did. I don't know if he got tired or what it was in the first fight, but if you watch that second round against Islam, if you watch that second round, you can see when he's coming forward, he's not actually approaching him like he was in the beginning of the round when he jumped and threw a flying head kick, and when he jumped and came right at him, and when he was throwing those elbows and pulling guard like he did against Gaethje and things like that. Like, he wasn't doing that in the second round, and then he got clipped he has to be the aggressor. He has to be the guy on the pedal. If you let Islam control you in the striking department, then he's just going to take you down however he wants. He's going to control you down there. And I know Charles is dangerous on the ground, but man, when you're that good at, as Islam is, um, it, it just changes everything. Just changes everything. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we have a great fight night coming up this week, speaking of the lightweight division. We got Gamera and, and uh, Fazeev going at it. I already know Riley's prediction, and Riley thinks that Vazeev's going to win. He didn't tell me around or how. I think he's, he thinks he's going to knock him out. I don't know about a knockout. Marat, or not Marat, Gamrot is really hard to finish. He will get dropped, though. But I see it going all five, maybe. Ooh, five rounds with Vazeev. Maybe not. It, I think five. it goes all five. Vazeev. Or maybe a late finish. But it's going to be a good fight night. I'm excited for it. See what happens here. Both these guys have to kind of bounce back. Although, if Gamrot wins this fight, he really deserves a guy like a Poirier. That's the fight right there. If Gamrot beats Fazeev, or if Fazeev beats Gamrot, regardless, that is the fight to make. 
I mean, I, I think it's going to be tough for Poirier to ever get back to that spot because now he's got to restart his cycle. But if he wants to stay at 155, that's the fight to make because these guys are young. They're going to just keep coming back up. And he just beat Jalen Turner, Gamrot. So if he beats Fazee, that's two wins under his belt ever since his loss to uh, Dariush. And then they're looking to do Tarasuyuki against Dariush, which is going to be great. I think Dariush is going to win. I think Dariush just had the night. No, Charles was just so good that night, but so was Islam. I think Dariush was Charles on Islam's night. Like, I think Dariush can beat Oliver, and I love Oliver. But Dariush is good, dude. He just, he didn't look like the Dariush that beat Ferguson and Gamron and all these guys. It just happens. Um, Speaking of the lightweight division, I guess, you know, we it's so funny, Ryan, I've talked about this the whole year. The amount of episodes that we release with the title in it. The amount of debates and arguments about Chandler and McGregor. And I just really wonder, like, do you think that fight is ever going to happen? Because I just really don't know. What do you think, Riley? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky to see. Because if it happens, it's not going to happen until, like, early next year. It's just not. I mean, when, when else are we doing it? When else is it going to happen? It's just not going to happen. And uh, it's a shame, but it, it's definitely Chandler. Or, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely McGregor. Um, but, you know, McGregor can do what he wants. I think Chandler needs to decide what he wants. I think he's dealing with a guy who has control and has power and can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants and fight whenever he wants and take as long as he wants. Chandler's got to say, look, as much as I want this fight, as big as this fight's going to be, as it, it, do I want to keep playing this game? Because there is a high chance it doesn't happen in the beginning of next year. And then we're saying, I already know, like, you know, in the whole year, Dana was saying, oh, yeah, we're looking at, you know, the end of the summer. And then it gets closer to the summer. And it's like, yeah, I see, I, I, I really see McGregor coming back at the end of this year. I think that's the most realistic thing. And then it starts to get towards the end of the year. You know, I really think... I think we're looking at early next year. I think early next year McGregor will be back. And then we just keep playing this game. It's the same thing that we did before. It's not a game Chandler can play. You know, I I, I don't care how many abs you got. He's 38 years old. And uh, he can't be taking this fight at 40 years old, right? Neither can McGregor. McGregor's going to be 37 or whatever. So it doesn't really matter. Regardless, they're going to have to figure it out. And uh, Chandler's going to have to figure it out because... He wants to be this entertaining and, and high energy, but that's great. But if he wants to go out as UFC champion, which he has the skills, he's got to do it, like, actually. You know what I mean? And, and, and not just be taking these fights. But the money fight, it's huge. You did tough. It would be a bummer for it not to happen. It really would. Tough kind of sucked, though. It sucked. And, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like you look back on, like, like, we're all like, man, we missed the old McGregor, you know? And we're all like that. But guess what's going to happen in 10 years? We're all going to be like, man, I miss when Izzy fought every two days. And I miss Kamar Usman's title reign and all the great fights he produced. And, man, remember Charles Oliveira and the Islam Makachevs and Hamzat Chemaevs and Sugar Sean O'Malley's? And even if there's one of them you don't like or two of them or whatever, one of them you do like. And we're all going to look back and think the same thing. Um, it's, it's just how I feel about wrestling. WWE, but we won't get into that. No, we will, because I'm the only one here, and Riley's not here today, unfortunately. 
Um, but it's the same name of the WWE. You know, everybody talks about how back in the day, the Attitude Era was the thing, and that's great. It was, man. It was. It had the most viewers. It was totally the thing. We could talk about that all day. I could, at least. But the thing is about the Attitude Era is I think that we forget about all the good times that happened after the Attitude Era. And I'm not talking about Ruthless Aggression in 2004 and 2009, even, when Jeff Hardy was the thing and Edge and CM Like, that was a great era, too. But what about, like, 2016? You know all that stuff and all the stuff we said about that universal title that got created and everything and, and how it looked like crap and how we didn't agree, but you remember how cool the stages were in the beginning of the new era of Monday Night Raw in 2016 and SmackDown Live and how we had a commissioner and a general manager and we had all these great storylines and all these good stars. Like SmackDown had its good five guys and Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, and Baron Corbin. Like those were the core guys and enough to hold the brand up. And then you had an awesome little tag team division and and then the women's division was absolutely popping off. You had Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss and all these different and Charlotte oh no, Charlotte was on Raw. And that's my point. You go to Raw, Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks were absolutely crushing it on Raw. We're like the main thing. And then you bring in this universal champion of Reigns and Rollins and Strowman and Jericho and Owens and what do we got now? What do we got now? What is there? There's so many great athletes, but there's no story. That's what we all like about it. That's what, well, that's what I like about it. Maybe other people like the athletic stuff. And I'm not saying, oh, it needs to be one, one strike and then the leg drop and back to the old days before there was flips. There can be flips. That's fine. But where's the storyline? Who's the core guys on Monday Night Raw? Seth Rollins is the world heavyweight champion. Which, by the way, the whole heavyweight, I love the world heavyweight title. I have very mixed emotions about that world heavyweight title. I think it's really, really cool. Um, but I don't, I feel like they should just brought back the other title. They're gonna, I don't know. It's like weird. It's hard to explain. But you think about it, and it doesn't make any sense. Roman Reigns is on this amazing run, and it's absolutely amazing. But what is he? He's the WWE, undisputed, universal, world, heavyweight champ. Like, what? He doesn't need six belts to be the guy. We know he's the guy. He's cemented. Then you bring in this world heavyweight title, which is cool. But then you split the brands. You do the draft. And people from Raw are the NXT champion now. People from SmackDown are going. And speaking of NXT, remember when NXT was the best thing in all of professional wrestling? Look at it now. It's still actually not that bad, and I think it's actually underrated, but compared to what it used to be, it's just not there. What happened to all those NXT champions? They all are nothing except like Seth Rollins. Except like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, who are literally the best. They're the John Cena's and the Triple H's and the Stone Cold's and the Roman, or Romans, <laughs> and the uh, Undertaker's of now and the Hulk Hogan's. That's what they are. But we need more of those. When you look back at 2009, you look at those brands and you look at who was there. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Triple H, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Kane. The list goes on. Edge. I said Jeff, right? Matt Hardy. Christian. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. But what I really liked about the 2016 days is that you had all these younger guys and all these unutilized talent 
getting an opportunity. Like Rhino and Heath Slater becoming the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. That was sick. That was awesome. It made perfect sense. But, you know, just a little spiel for the WWE people. Um, But I don't know. I just think it's interesting. And, and I think that's what we're, we're you know, everybody's got to realize. It's like with the UFC is, you know, we still do that. Like, oh, remember the days when it was, no, that's happening now. Because the UFC hasn't been around as long as the WWE. So that's really starting to happen now. Because now people are like, man, remember the days when it was Habib, McGregor, Ferguson, and Poirier were all top five in the lightweight? We're all doing that, and that's going to happen. We're all going to look back and be like, John Jones and freaking Daniel Cormier and be like Conor McGregor. Like, there is never going to be another Conor McGregor. There's just not. Like, there's going to be big stars in the sport. There's just never going to be another Conor McGregor. And I just think it's interesting. So, definitely got to cherish it while, while you're watching it. Because the UFC this year has produced. I think there's probably been two bad pay-per-views this year. That's actually a great thing to talk about. That's actually a great thing to talk about. Let's let's look back. And we we don't have to like go crazy with it. But let's at least just look back a little bit and see every pay-per-view this year. So it started with two, UFC 283. So UFC 283 was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and it was headlined by Glover Teixeira, the light heavyweight championship vacant title. Remember this? Against Jamal Hill. And the co-main event was Stevenson Figueiredo against Brandon Moreno, number three. And then that third fight was Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny. That was a pretty good card, and that we didn't, Riley and I didn't get to watch that together. Um, and we'll go back on all this, but what a great card it was. Like, that main event was a masterpiece. Figueredo Moreno is always entertaining. Go with Burns, masterpiece. It was a pretty good card. So if you look at it, could have been worse, could have been better. UFC 284 sucked, but the main event was insanity. Islam Makhachev against Alexander Volkanovsky. We all know. How insane is that? Produced. Card of the year is what everybody was saying. John Jones against Ciro Gan is This is the card I was talking about, not the other card. UFC 285 in Las Vegas, Nevada. John Jones returns, becomes the heavyweight champion. Grosso shocks the world. You had Shafkok Rockmanoff on the card. Gamrot, Bo Nickel. I mean, that was like debatably the card of the year. UFC 286 was a great card with Leon Edwards against Kamaru Usman in the welterweight division for the welterweight strap. The trilogy. What a great fight that was. Gaethje against Fazeev. Holy moly, what a fight that was. The rest of the card was kind of... Because eh, I think it was a lot of decisions after that. UFC 287 was a fantastic car with Alex Bejeda and Israel Adesanya. Is he freaking... That was one of the most insane KOs and shocking things I've ever seen. That was in Miami. Gilbert beat Jorge. Jorge retired. A good car. UFC 288 was a... Uh, that was a stinker. So, like, UFC 283 was okay. UFC 284 was... Okay, but the main event made it, like, insane. And then you had that spiel between 85, I remember, 85, 86, and 87 were just insane. 88 was okay. Ballet won with the Gilbert getting hurt. Sterling beats the Hood. It was an okay car. It wasn't really that great. That was one of the worst, one of the bad ones. And then UFC 289 became great because Nunez retired in uh, absolutely obliterating fashion, but nobody cares about that as much as Charles Alvarez freaking won. Nah, respect uh, Amanda Nunes. She's one of the greatest of all time. But Dubrox winning that night. It was just like the Volk and um, Islam situation. It made it incredible. It made it incredible. 
UFC 290, what a card that was in uh, International Fight Week. We had Volk against Yair Rodriguez, Moreno against Pantoja. What a fight that was. Duplius. UFC 291. <laughs> the card of the year, ladies and gentlemen. On paper, the card of the year. That's for sure. It's not showing me the whole thing, so now I gotta pull it up like this. But Justin Gaethje defeated Dustin Poirier in an absolutely insane fight. Pajeda beat Blahovich. Ferguson was on that card and lost again, unfortunately. It was just insanity. It's not coming up, that's why. Oh, wait, here we go. And the poster for this card was insane. Derek Lewis, oh my god, for this flying knee, Kevin Holland with that great win over Kiesa. Like, that's what I'm saying. So the point is, it's like, really, like, reminiscing these freaking times because these are some good cards, and sometimes the UFC doesn't... Like, I remember last year thinking, I'm like, man, these cards just suck. Sterling O'Malley was great. O'Malley just knocked him out. UFC 293 just happened with Strickland absolutely beating and shocking the world with Adesanya. I just totally messed up those words. Strickland absolutely shocking the world by defeating Adesanya. And then, of course, UFC 294, which on paper is the card. The uh, Abu Dhabi cards are just insane. And then we have freaking John Jones retirement fight probably in Madison Square Garden, which maybe I'm going to with Riley possibly. I don't know, guys. I'm just saying, reminisce. Reminisce in these times because we're, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, oh, remember when Oliveira fought Charles? Or what? <laughs> Remember when Alvera fought Makachev the second time? It was just such a good time in fighting. And you, I think the landscape of the UFC, though, is getting better. And there is stars growing. And there is, like the sport is only growing with the ways of it. And it, like you know what I mean? I, I think wrestling, everyone's trying to do something new. And it's hard to. Which you wonder, is there a cap? Will it end? How long has WWE been around? 30 years? A little over? Well, for real, though. Like, Raw has been around for, like, over 25, 30 years. But, like, I'm just saying, like, it gets to a point, right? And then you try to change with the times. But the UFC is good at that. The UFC is good at not changing with the times too much. Like, they don't have a stage still. They still just stick, they just stick to their deal. And they're just like, this is how we do it. This is how our athletes are. And if you don't like it, that's just how it goes, which I like and I appreciate. You don't have to change because of the culture. You don't have to change because of the technology even. Like, they do they do a lot of technology stuff, and their, their stuff is high-tech and great. But you know what I mean? Like, they're not – it's still in a cage. It ain't – the cage ain't LED. Like, you know what I mean? It's still a fight. So I hope they keep it that way. But, yeah, it's guys, it's been a good podcast. It's been, you know, I did the best I could by myself. Hope you guys enjoy what I had to say. I'm getting a little tired of talking by myself. I wish Riley was here, but Riley's sick, and I, I felt you guys deserved it. I felt you guys deserved a, uh, a a podcast. So I think this was a this had to be like a little over 30 minutes probably, or like right around. So that's pretty good. Could have been worse. But we'll be back with our podcast. They won't be any smaller than 30 minutes, I told you. 30 to two hours. I, I literally will make the next podcast an hour and a half without even trying because I can't wait to do it with Riley again. It's going to be great. Yeah, guys, thank you guys so much. 
I really hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram especially because that's where all the updates happen. YouTube is where everything happens. Big announcement this Friday. Thank you guys so much. Hope you have a good day and peace.